0: hey it's greg stanley if you're listening to this podcast you know i love everything automotive this passion has expanded to include being a car specialist consultant for rm sotheby's so if you need assistance buying or consigning a collector car at any one of our online or live auctions including scottsdale amelia island or monterey you can reach one of our car specialists at rmsotheby's.com or you can email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. Hey, it's Greg Stanley, and I have a very interesting guest, Mike Roberts. Mike, how are you doing today?
1: Doing great. Thanks for having me, Greg. It's a true pleasure being here, so thank you.
0: Yeah, so this is kind of a follow-up to last week's interview with Wayne Carini, because if you don't know who Mike is, he's actually the sales manager at F40 Motorsports. Isn't that correct, Mike? Uh, Yes, sir. Wow, so that's really cool. So obviously, Wayne is front and center, F40 Motorsports, in all the different businesses he has, obviously chasing classic cars. So if you would, kind of go over what you do and how you support Wayne day to day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my, my history with Wayne in F40 goes back pretty far um, from being a kid at 15 years old, um, working for Wayne, um, sweeping the shop floors and washing cars and you know learning all aspects of the industry to uh, coming back after college with the business degree and uh, taking over the sales department, so it's a lot more than just sales. It's all aspects of you know marketing, dealing with uh, you know all the people that come in the door, um, and then all of Wayne's you know personal stuff with you know his collection and helping them any way I can um, with you know the business to him personally.
0: Wow, well that's really cool. And you and I met a number of years ago because I would I stopped by. Uh, as I was traveling through there for work and I said, you know what? I've always loved the show. Obviously I want to stop by F40 Motorsports." and Wayne was not there actually two of the three times that I stopped by to see you. Wayne was not there and you were nice enough to give me a full tour, which I really appreciate. You really know your stuff. Cause you walked me through a bunch of the cars that were on site there. So I, I assume you get that a lot. You get people that drop by because they're fans of the show and you're able to make that connection. Correct.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's great. We're always open to the public get people from all over the world. You know, everyone's very excited to be there. Um, so it's it's great. We get to meet all kinds of, you know, interesting people from all over. So it's it's really cool.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, I also wanted to have you on because I follow you on Instagram and what's your Instagram handle?
1: It's MotorMike eighty four.
0: Okay. So our listeners can find him and, and I wanted you to talk about the next generation of collector cars because as I watch your Instagram feed I noticed that you've been purchasing, it seems like for your personal collection, some cars that I would kind of define in trucks that I would define as kind of next gen, you know, what the next generation is looking for. And and a lot of times it's stuff that is already somewhat collectible or is becoming even more so, you know, more collectible uh, as time goes on. So if you would, could you just kind of review what cars and trucks maybe that you're seeing on the rise, so to speak? in the marketplace. Uh, what kind of stuff do you think is kind of a next generation uh, car or truck and maybe a couple of the cars in your own personal collection?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, from day one, I've learned from Wayne, um, you know, buy what you like for enjoyment, not just based on investment or future values rising. We all like to think that um, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. I've always learned to, you know, buy what and go after what I like, and a lot of us car guys, um, I'm in my mid-30s, so a lot of guys in their 20s to 40s, we all kind of like the same stuff, um, you know, trendy stuff, M3s, M5s, Porsches. Um, I just picked up, you know, a Lasha Delta and a A 16-valve, this car I've always coveted and wanted. So it's a, really those poster cars, and as you, you know, work hard and save your money, you know, you try and grab them, you know, while, while you still can, unless you have unlimited funds to just buy whatever you want whenever, um, there's a lot of guys out there, you know, picking up uh, these cars before they're, you know, going through the roof. And that's what I try and do in my on my personal end, um, you know, buy stuff I like um, that I think other people might like. But really, it's the driving experience for me, for example, I just picked up ae 39 M5, so O2 M5. I mean, that 5-liter, you know, V8, 6-shift, not, nothing like it. And then on top of it, I have small children. So that's another key for me is if my kids can enjoy that passion and the fun, um, whether it's uh, after a school night um, or, you know, on a weekend, I can take them out and have fun. So everyone has different needs and needs. You know, so I try and cater to to our needs as a family, and that's kind of how I purchase cars for myself.
0: Sure. Now, talk about that E thirty nine a little bit. One of our past guests and a good friend of mine, Eric Keller of Enthusiast Auto Group, he specializes oh, yeah. in the M cars. He was just he just had an article recently in Haggerty that talked about uh, I forgot the title of it, but basically it was you know this thing just sold for two hundred thousand dollars, and it's like what is going on with those cars right now? So, what do you see? I know the value of those cars. I know why they're going up in value, and I would love to have one myself, but why are they so hot in the marketplace right now?
1: Well, that I think that car that Eric sold, that they sold, um, that was a truly special car. <clears throat> so a lot of people get confused with, you know, just a nice driver with, you know, I think that car was out of the wrapper with very low mileage. Some, yeah, I think
0: 6,000 thousand or miles. something. Yeah. Oh,
1: wow. So... I I don't try and break world records, and um, you know I, I, I love when those guys get those numbers. More power to them. But sometimes it is it is tough too. You know where where if you were on a budget, it does sting a little. Where now you think you have to pay two hundred grand for M five. I think I purchased this one right. I was I was picky. Um, I passed on a couple. I wanted a one owner. I wanted lower or average miles. So this one is 70,000 miles um and it was a one owner um always in the uh in the south in South Carolina so rust free super clean always serviced so I I paid up but I I don't think you know I I paid retail maybe high wholesale so I can enjoy it but um yeah I mean that's I I do think the good cars will continue to rise um, but there's always the exception to the rule, like that one they sold um now it 's just a a truly spectacular vehicle
0: I totally agree with you I mean to me, I think it 's one of the prettiest generations of b m w s ever especially the m five you know then you have you know the power, the v eight the six speed four door you know all the all the options, definitely a very special car and generation of BMW, so I don't see those going down anytime soon, for sure. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I actually just helped my older brother find one too, because he he goes out with clients from time to time, and he golfs, and everyone knows you can fit golf clubs in the back. So it's a really you know versatile uh, vehicle <clears throat> where you you can take your wife to dinner you can go out with your buddies or you you could take it on the track or or just simply have a ball driving it so i think it checks off all those boxes where if you if you only have funds or only a garage space for one vehicle maybe that would be a good alternative
0: so what are some of the other cars maybe in your personal collection or or ones you think are next gen that end up in your collection because you kind of see it the same way you see that e39 what are a couple other cars you would like to mention
1: i mean i've always been a porsche guy i've always loved air-cooled cars um i have a 93 964 coupe that i just absolutely love be very difficult to part with once again those are going up kind of you know price-wise but I, i think a lot of these 80s and 90s cars in general whether it's a fox body mustang um, I, I think it's like people are trying to relive or get that toy they once had, you know, when, <clears throat> when they were younger in high school or college. So at, at this stage, it seems to be that the age demographic seems to be gearing towards these 80s and 90s cars. You know, just to mention a few, you know, pickup trucks are really hot and really popular. Um, a lot of people love trucks. They're great you know, whether it's a Chevy C10 or a Ford, you know, F1 or F100. So yeah, I mean, there's just so, so many different vehicles to talk about, right?
0: Now, I guess on that note, obviously you're a Porsche guy, and I just experienced my first Porsche. I got a little 996 that I absolutely love, and I I find myself gravitating towards those now, and and not just those, but any of the four six-cylinder, single-head, overhead cam, you know, boxer engine cars that are Just European, I guess, is the best way to put it. Stuff I've never experienced Mm -hmm. because I've always experienced the, you know, Shelby or the the Mustangs, you know, and different things like that. It's just such a different driving experience, I guess, is the best way to put it. I hate to put you on the spot here, but are there any, like, Porsches you would stay away from? Mostly, you know, because of not necessarily value, but repair responsibility or something to that effect that you should, you know, would warn folks to really do your homework on before you buy one of them?
1: Well, I mean, everyone mentions the the IMS bearing on these 996s. I really don't see it to be a problem, and there's an easy fix. I think they're they're truly amazing vehicles, and, you know, each to their own. There's some people that have a little Mazda Miata, and they absolutely love it, and they drive the wheels off of it, and good for them. God bless. Like, that's not me. I don't want it, but, you know, if they enjoy it and that's what their budget allows um, boxers, I think are probably the best value right now. If you just want a little bop around weekend convertible, once again, me personally, I'm not a big convertible fan. Almost everything I have is coupes or sedans. Like once again, you know, for my kids or my 911, my, you know, Lasha Integrale 16 valve, that's obviously a four door sedan. So, but no, I think you hit the nail on the head with your nine nine six. I think value wise, I think they're still undervalued. You want to go a little newer. You know, nine nine sevens are great cars. I think they're great values. One other thing I learned from Wayne: whatever you're looking at, you know, whatever your budget is, buy the best possible car you can. Don't don't buy the six owner with the bad Carfax with the paintwork. <laughs> you know, if, if it means saving up a little more or splurging a little more, you know, it doesn't have to be a cream puff. It doesn't have to be a one owner. You know, I think what I took from it, you know, just learning from Wayne is just, you know, what, what, whatever you can afford, just try and buy the nicest example you can find at that time. And, and that's what I try and do. I get more enjoyment out of it. I have less headaches and problems. And then the exit strategy when you go to sell it is so much simpler and easier, <laughs> right? Yeah. When you're selling a proper car.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. And and also budget, you know, for what might have to have done. So like my little 996, typically they would fail if it under 30,000 miles. So I bought a car with over 30,000 miles on it. But yet even when I went to get the oil change and they split open the oil filter, there were, you know, metal particles. And so I had to get the IMS bearing replaced. Okay. Which which at the same time you might as well get the clutch because the transmission's out. And so, you know, I I got the car sorted and it's great. You know, next time I buy a nine nine six, I don't care what the mileage is, I'm just gonna factor that IMS bearing into my cost. Yeah. If yep. it hasn't and already been died. done, you know? Yeah. So like you said, it's such an easy thing to get done. Well not super easy, but you know, factor in those things when you're looking at those cars. Now you, you mentioned the Lancia. Why is that car in your collection and what does that say about the next generation of collectors
1: it, it's such a fun car to drive all-wheel drive with the turbo once again not to you know be a broken record and reiterate myself but the back seat for the kid but it's such i i think there's a, a huge following for rally cars and just that whole experience so they're they're just a ball to drive and they're not unless you're getting some you know, spectacular, amazing Evo. They're not outrageous value-wise. Um, this one I picked up was imported through Japan and, um, I found it through a friend of a friend. Um, it was in Tennessee, um, imported and, you know, he enjoyed it for two years and he just dumped tons of money into it, new timing belt and everything. So it was a well-sorted example. And, uh, it was just a car I've always liked to look. I don't know why I've always liked Volkswagen GTIs, Audi Quattros. The boxy cars kind of speak to me in the '80s. You know, not all of them. <laughs> you know, I appreciate a lot of cars and respect a lot of cars, but doesn't mean I necessarily want to own them. Right. This was right. this was one of them. I just kind of, I I had that itch. I wanted to scratch it. So we'll we'll see how long it lasts. I'll enjoy it this summer and then see see what happens.
0: Yeah. Now, what else is in your personal collection that might be considered a next gen kind of collectible car or or car on the rise? I guess might be the better way to put it.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm just I'm just a, you know a small guy with a small garage, so I I have the uh, the M5 and the Delta the 911. I I try and do a, a decent amount of the the air cooled or um, 911. So I I have an 88 911 as well. Um, They'll be going to the market soon. It's just very similar to my 93. But I have a really cool Woody wagon, a 41 Woody from Wayne. Actually, I got it from Wayne out of his collection, and uh, it it speaks to me because um, it's it's lowered. It has a 302. Uh, v8 with the automatic but yet it has heat and ac and the sound system so i can really enjoy it with the kids um take them grab an ice cream cone drive it to a cruise night um local here in connecticut so we we have a lot of fun in that the whole family fits in it and then some yeah there's just so many cool cars i'd love to own don't yet
0: <laughs> <laughs> right right now what's one of the cars is there something? Well, before I move on, I will have to say that from a market trend perspective, Woody's are not next-generation cars. So that's no. really cool that you have such a diverse uh, experience by having one of those in your collection.
1: That was the one really cool thing um, working with Wayne throughout all these years, just know, learning brass cars and learning early cars and then all, all the way up to brand-new stuff. So um, it's it's been a great experience. And um, I've had an appreciation for all cars. You know, that being said, you know what I see is really popular, which I sell a lot of over at F40. Is you know that Chevelle or that '30s Ford, but you know a resto mod with that AC and the modern drivetrain. So a lot of people like the old look, but we're spoiled with new cars today. They do everything, and they do everything so well. There's something to be said for that for the next generation because muscle cars were really soft for a while, right? But I, I see them, I mean, look at all the auctions, you know, and everything that's out there. A lot of people go back towards those cars because they have the cool old look, but yet they do everything so well. Yeah, you actually
0: brought up a couple points there. First off, the Resto Mod movement. That's huge, mostly because, like you said, people want to have all the comfort and convenience of a new car, but they want to have the coolness and the you know memories or whatever you know of having an older car. And so we're seeing a huge trend of restomods really taking off. And now these are expensive restomods. You know, they're two, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars. So it's not necessarily your next generation kid that's buying it you know no Um, yeah (laughs) um, so because just because of the cost to do so what would you say like you just mentioned stuff that sells at f40 what are some of the things that are you see selling at f40 that are either surprising or just trends in general obviously you mentioned like the chevelle the muscle car i've always said that that's a a generation i think will continue i I don't think that one would decline like the cars of the 40s and 50s because you have the usability. You have the iconicness of the Mustang that's still being built today. You know, people drive one of the new ones and they want to know more about the old ones, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the things you just see from a pure sales standpoint or requests from your customers at F40 that our listeners might find surprising?
1: Well, exactly what you were saying, you know, resto mod. you know, uh, a a lot of European cars, we do uh, a lot more European um, Ferraris, Porsches, Jaguars, you know, everything that, most people like you know xk he's everything from you know 550 marinello 575 marinello you know a lot of a lot of people all like the same stuff where you know you look at a 575 you know marinello early 2000s well it's it's almost 20 years old it's almost a classic but yet you can still do 120 miles an hour and you have cold air and hot heat, and you can take it on that weekend trip. So you know, there's no there's no surprise here that Ford Model A's and all these other these older cars are difficult sales, not very popular right now. T-birds from the 50s are just I sometimes I cringe when I hear them. They just there's so many of them out there, and they're just h- such a hard sale in today's market. Um, I must get a phone call a week with someone with, you know, some type of T-Bird or Bel Air. They're just, they're cars, and they're not, it's not bad. It's just everyone wants to sell them, and no one's looking to buy them. Especially when I hear, you know, oh, dad's too old, dad can't drive, or dad doesn't want it, or dad passed away. And I'm looking at the guy, and he's 50, and then he doesn't want it. And dad can't want, you know, and the grandkids don't want it or can't afford it. So who's going to want some of these cars down the road? So, you know, me and Wayne, we look at that a lot. Um, you know, we try and see what does sell, what people do like and want. Because it's, it's not always about the sale. It's, it's about, you know, keeping your clients and everyone happy. In terms of you know what they're looking for and meet meeting their needs in terms of their car collection, so
0: yeah, it's really interesting you said that because i've I've said it many times uh, basically it's you know it's really the baby boomer generation that is selling their collections you know and when you think about that and this isn't just baby boomers it's anytime there's a generational shift and you have a a large population that's getting out of one thing and going into another, that's where you have the disparities in you know supply and demand you have too much of these cars all of a sudden that were in such demand in the past, you know? So I'd love a 55, 56, 57 Chevy much as anybody else. You know, I I would love Mm -hmm. to have one personally, but there's a lot of other cars I would have before that. And that that goes to my generation, right? And, you know, unfortunately, all these cars are kind of coming onto the market at the same point. So not only is there excess supply, but there's a decline in demand from the generational Mm -hmm. shift, which obviously then equates to depressed prices at least in the short short term and you know we'll see where it goes beyond that i agree it's interesting to see and that's kind of happening with the woody wagons as well basically anything in the 30s and 40s (laughs) and early 60s i would even say um you know once you get into the muscle car era that's where i think we start seeing a little bit more stability would you agree with that
1: yeah no i agree a hundred percent um so true and i and I knew that when I was getting the Woody, I knew they weren't popular and they went way down. You know, it's just a fun, cool vehicle and uh sometimes you just, you know, you have that want and or that itch and scratch it and then uh you know, um you can't you can't always act on strictly investment. Yeah, no, it's definitely interesting to see what the, the future brings and you know, holds and Future generations here of the the car culture and community. I guess time will tell on some of these things.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what's really cool though is that if you're part of that next generation, you know, look at the cars in the '50s and early '60s and the '40s, because you can get a good deal on something cool, you know. And I'm actually looking at a '55. I think it's it's just a Packard Clipper, you know, four door car, but no rust, V8, column shift, and I can get it for like four hundred four thousand dollars. You know. Wow. And, <laughs> yeah, you can just <laughs> drive it around for a little while. It's a beautiful blue and white, you know, and it's kind of like that's a great summer car just to tool around and go to the cruises, enjoy it for a little while and sell it. You're not going to lose money on a $4,000 car. And if you are, Absolutely. It's 10 bucks, you know. So <laughs> Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it's 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 funny you mention that though because there's a lot of people that don't have a big budget and they get discouraged, you know. You know, yeah, we, we would all love the McLaren F1 or the BMW 507, you know, but the, the fact of the matter is, you know, a lot of people can't afford them. So, like you said, that, that Packard, you know, that's that's a really cool car. You can drive to a Cars and Coffee or a Cruise Night Car Show, and you're probably going to be the only one there, too. And you, right. get, you get that excitement and that, that feel, and you have fun. Um, whether it's with the family or by yourself or whoever, but um, and and you don't break the bank, so that's that's really cool. I hope you get that car, Greg. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'll let you know for sure. You'll see it on Instagram. I know that's for sure. I really appreciate your time today. Now I've been trying to get you on the show here for like two years now, so I do really appreciate it. <laughs> and uh,
1: thank you. I do want
0: Yeah, I do want to know what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and F Forty Motorsports.
1: Yeah. So our website's F Forty dot com and uh my direct email is mike at f40 and uh you know follow us on facebook um follow us on instagram don't hesitate if you're ever in the area in connecticut stop by say hi um if wayne's there he always goes out of his way to say hi you know otherwise you know it's usually me and sue in the office and we're more than happy to give you a tour and show you around
0: that's awesome. Now one thing I like to do at the end of this and I apologize to my listeners because I ran out of time with Wayne. So I'm hoping oh. <laughs> I'm hoping you'll do a double for us. You'll do it oh, via no. a, you'll do it as yourself and then you'll do it as Wayne. <laughs> okay. The, I'll, do, oh, I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah, and uh it's something I call keep cash and crush. So I'll give you okay. three cars and you have to pick one to keep forever. One to cash in, and then, unfortunately, one to send to the crusher. So I'm okay. really disappointed in myself that I forgot to do it. I actually just ran out of time last week with Wayne. Uh, really disappointed in myself that I wasn't able to get him or to hear him squirm a little bit. So I'll have to do that on a future <laughs> future interview. So how about we'll warm up a little bit with Wayne's cars that I picked for him. Okay. Now do your best to pick based on what you think he would pick and not necessarily what you would pick. Okay.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: All right, so the three cars I gave Wayne, one was a... I tried to pick uh, different generations of cars because he's so diverse in what he likes. Yeah. So I I picked the 1953 Cadillac Eldorado Convertible, a classic. Let's see. I picked the 1965 Mustang GT Fastback with the K-Code Hypo. And the third car I picked was a 1983 Lamborghini Countach. So we got a muscle car. We got a classic 50s... Cruiser and we have an Italian exotic. So, oh man, that's yeah, that's hard. A 53 Cadillac Eldorado convertible, 65 Mustang Hypo Fastback, and an 83 Lambo. Which one do you think Wayne would keep forever? Which one do you think he will cash in, and which one do you think he would crush?
1: Dif- difficult. This is good options though. I-, I think he would cash in on the Kuntosh, the market. Um, come back on those. It was really strong and a little soft. I think it's come back enough. They're they're kind of pricey to maintain, and uh, and Wayne's not. He he loves Lamborghinis, but he's not a, a huge Lamborghini guy in terms of his personal collection. Um, okay. I think I think he would keep the the K code um, one of his uh, more favorite cars in his collection. He's fortunate to have a Shelby GT350 um uh tasca Ford edition. What one of my favorite cars, just absolutely awesome car. Uh Wimbledon White, blue stripe, four speed, just, just a ball. Um and sadly, you know, I don't I don't know if this is fair assessment because it's you know, but I, I think out of the three he might say crush the Cadillac. I don't know, but he is a Cadillac guy and he does love Cadillacs. So I'm kinda of, cornered here I don't know if he'd crush any of them because the 53 Cadillacs they are absolutely gorgeous and stunning but um you know I think it's a toss-up between that and the Countach between what what he would you know he would cash out on but he'd probably I'm thinking he'd you know, crush the Cadillac out of all three of them. Sorry, well, Wayne, next... if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully this is what you'd think or say. So.
0: Yeah, next time you have lunch with them, be sure to tell them the choices and see if you got it right or, and let us know if you got it wrong. How about that?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll have to ask them tomorrow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, so now it's time for yours. So I've got three cars for you. And uh, I, hopefully this is difficult. I try to add a little bit of an X factor to each. So the first one's a 1986 911. Not a turbo, but a turbo-bodied car. Okay? So you got the turbo look, but you don't have yep. the actual turbo. Uh, the yep. next one's a 1993 Supra. Twin turbo, but with 40,000 miles. And the last one is a 1997 Land Rover uh, North America Defender 90 convertible let's say with like 65,000 miles.
1: So those are your three cars. This is very very easy for me because I I've, oh, I've, per- I've personally owned a Defender. Um I've I've had the pleasure of owning a couple twin turbo Supras and uh I'm I'm a 911 guy. I I would say um I I'd keep the the M491 option wide body. Um, Air cooled cars are strong. I think they're they're going to keep going. Wide body cars that much more unique. I I like them. The Supras, awesome cars and cool. The the prices are just getting silly. I can't foresee some of these cars keep going up and up. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it would be an appropriate time to cash out, take the money to the bank, buy another car or two, um, and Unfortunately, I had a a bad experience, not a terrible experience with the Defender, but they're just old trucks, and as much as I love them, they're always leaking oil. They're always breaking down, and maybe I just had a bad experience with mine, but I just kept throwing money at it, and uh, unless you have unlimited funds and you have to have one in your collection, it was more of a headache for me than enjoyment. So I would, I would crush that one out of the three.
0: That's so funny. Cause I think I saw on your feed once that Supra and maybe even the, the Land Rover and I actually saw a Land Rover defender today, which maybe put it on the list. And what was oh, interesting cool. is it was getting an entire new frame at the cost of 25 grand just for yep. the frame <laughs> much less putting it,
1: putting the rest of the truck on it. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was upside down in mine and I talked with Wayne. and He goes, dump it. You're just going to keep, and I took a haircut and it stung and it's not fun being in this profession. You're supposed to be an expert and only make money. Bottom line is I think every now and then we all lose money here and there. So that one, I lost a decent amount on, um, that being said, the gentleman that got it went through it even further than I did, and he absolutely loves it. And it's in his collection with lots of um, air-cooled Porsches, BMWs, and, and he has uh, um, I think he has a much bigger wallet than I do, and so it's in the right <laughs> home.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, and now just real quick, I know you need to go, but why did you uh, – what speaks to you about the non-turbo turbo look
1: 911? It, they're just – they're. You know what everyone's turbo turbo turbo, and they're great cars, um but there's more things to go wrong with, um and let's face it, you're not buying an eighties car for a powerhouse. you can go buy a new turbo ass and blow the doors off of it so i feel I feel like the look of it is is really cool. I think the rarity's there, but you don't in my eyes that that motor you know is such an amazing motor. Not knocking a turbo, if it had a turbo, it would be great, but just a, a proper wide body, a nice, clean, low mileage. You know, I'd prefer a coupe, obviously, over a, a cab or a Targa, um, whether or not they're rare or not. You know, I don't, I don't think they, you know, I think a coupe is more run-of-the-mill, but I just like the look of it a little better, personally.
0: Right, right. Yeah, and I I bring that up because as I was digging into the data, I saw a huge increase on those cars uh, via insurance data, uh, they were up like 33% or something while the actual turbo nine thirties were down about 10%. And I thought, ah, oh, you know what? People are cluing into this just basically for what you just said there. So it's cool to get your perspective on something that I'm seeing elsewhere within the marketplace. All right. Great. All right, Mike. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're, we've already told our listeners how best to find you. So I really appreciate your time today and I will be sure to drop by next time I'm on the road up in your neck of the woods
1: please do and thank you so much it's a true honor and uh you know thank you for your time and having me it's uh it was great thanks for listening to the collector car podcast don't forget to give us a nice rating on itunes and be sure to follow us on instagram and everywhere
0: else at the collector car podcast